Okay, good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today I'm very pleased to have with me my guest, a Jim Batch Elder, a partner at Ropes and Gray. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, Jim, tell me a little bit about how you became an IP litigator. I know that you've been a very had a very successful career, but tell me about how you got into the practice to begin with. So I uh, went to UCLA Law School, uh, and I had gone straight through, you know, K through JD, as they say, with no breaks from school. Uh, and I liked law school. My my biggest concern in law school, though, was that I would find myself three years into some career and be bored at what I was doing after all that, you know, investment in, uh, in school. Uh, and uh, I took, you know, a gamut of classes, had a great professor in IP, John Wiley at UCLA. Uh, and he was you know, very enthusiastic about it. And his, uh, his enthusiasm was infectious for me. But it also struck me that uh, it was a career where I would never be bored. Hmm. Uh, at least that was my best guess in school. That I had, I had a ton to learn. Every every new case would be fertile ground for learning. Uh, it seemed like the technology would always outstrip the law, and so there was lots of room for great creative argument. Um, and you know, it, it turns out I've made a lot of stupid decisions in my life, but that was not one of them. It turned out to be <laughs> exactly right. It's been uh, anything but boring as a mm. career. Well, did you find that you liked it right from the beginning, or did it take a little while for you to get into it? I mean, tell me how it was in the early days. No, I I did like it right from the start. Um, I uh, I love the. I mean, first of all, just being a trial lawyer, the adrenaline of it, uh, being on your feet in a courtroom, you know, cross examining. Uh, an adversary or delivering an opening or closing, um, once you get a taste of that adrenaline, there's, for me anyway, there's no going back. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't, I can't picture myself doing anything else for a living. Mm. Uh, but again, it really is a great excuse to keep learning. Mm. Um, and it's not school learning. It's, you know, typically you're learning from the people most invested in it. You're learning from inventors uh, or you're learning from people accused of infringement who, believe they've developed their own technology and that they're the real inventors in the story and uh, learning from people who are that, um, uh, you know, on the bleeding edge of the technology and, and its innovation is, uh, that's a great platform hmm. for learning. Well, can you give me a couple of highlights in your illustrious career? Uh, happy to. Um, you know, I guess for me, the your first are always the things that are most memorable. Sure. Uh, uh, the first meaty trial that I had my first year as a, as a partner, um, I was involved in a, uh, a 10 month trial, believe it or not in wow. Chicago. Wow. Um, representing Amgen, uh, its adversary was Johnson and Johnson. We had a 10 month, uh, arbitration in front of Frank McGar, who was the former chief judge of the Northern district of Illinois. And it was really, it was my first trial. And, I got a third of the witnesses in a 10-month trial as, you know, my first experience. Mm. So it was a ton of trial experience all mm. in one, you know, sort of baptism by fire sort of uh, experience. And uh, because it was an arbitration, it was under a contract, and we won the trial, and we got attorney's fees, which is a lot of fees for a 10-month trial. <laughs> uh, so it was an extremely gratifying um, first trial for, for me as a young partner. Uh, a couple other ones stand out. My, the first case that I ever ran, also, again, I think for, for any litigator, that's going to be quite memorable for them. Uh, 
I represented Qualcomm against uh, GTE in a patent infringement case defending Qualcomm and um, uh, ultimately prevailed on summary judgment of non-infringement. And it was quite a hard-fought case. Uh, but again, because it was my first one that I owned and had my own team and ran, uh, it was especially gratifying. Well, it sounds like you've done a pretty big range of technologies. You mentioned Qualcomm, which is obviously electronics, Amgen, I assume, some sort of biotech or life sciences. What, what are, are, do you have any particular favorite industries of technology or expertise that you've developed over the years? Yeah, most of my work over the last 15 years has been all on the infotech side of things. So, you know, computer science and, and double E type cases. Hmm. But you know, I was an English major in college, so... Uh, uh, I'm I'm equally stupid in any technology, and I'm willing to really I'm willing to try cases in any technology. I just need to surround myself with people who are uh, smarter than I am. Do you find that maybe that's even an advantage sometimes because you can ask the questions that you need to? You know, I, I think it is an advantage, but maybe for a different reason. It's, mm. I mean, ultimately, your consumer is the jury or the judge, depending on the forum, uh, and. Many of those folks don't have technical backgrounds either. And so uh, coming into a new technology, I think I'm a little bit more sensitive to how foreign the lexicon is mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the cases. And uh, and so I may have a better handle on, I just learned this you know, in the last couple of years in connection with this case, I may have a better handle on how to teach it for that same reason. You know, mm-hmm. what, what got through to me, what was meaningful, what was confusing. Uh, and so I do think it gives me some advantage in being able to communicate with judges and juries. So now that you've had a long, successful career, what is some of the advice that you give to younger lawyers who want to get an IP or want to become IP trial lawyers? Uh, well, that's a great question. I, I think you know, generally uh, there are many associates who come out of law school um, who have a checklist in mind of experiences that they think they need to have before they can be you know, sort of viable, competitive, mature lawyers. Um, and I think that's the wrong perspective to approach a career with. I, I think the right way to approach a career is uh, you, you get invited to a case uh, and you figure out a way to add the most value you can add. Uh, don't worry about a checklist. Uh, just jump in with both feet and, and add value in any way you can. And I think if you have that attitude and you do it for five years, you'll look up and realize that, your check boxes are, are checked, mm-hmm. uh, but in the meantime, uh, you've developed a nose for contributing on a team, uh, and if you do that well, you're going to succeed. Mm-hmm. I also think that um, an undervalued skill these days is public speaking, mm-hmm. uh, and the more, at least in litigation, uh, it's harder and harder for associates to get feet time in court. Uh, and so finding any way you can to get public speaking experience so that that becomes a real strength uh, is just a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some, what are some of the favorite parts of um, when you take on a new case? Do you, do, you know, do you like the part about learning the technology? you really like the trial part? What, what are some of the highlights when you take on a new litigation for you? Uh, I have to say I enjoy the whole process soup to nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the first meeting you have where you sit around a conference room table and you look at the patent claims and you brainstorm about, you know, if you're the defendant about the non-infringement arguments, the plaintiff about the infringement arguments and validity challenges and all that, but just the high-level brainstorming about uh, how the arguments might shape up and then and then developing a strategy, uh, executing on that strategy across a full spectrum of cases, uh, uh, you know, and witnesses um, and motion practice. 
that is all really gratifying. But then, of course, you know, the, the trial itself is, as I said, for the adrenaline junkie is, <laughs> uh, is really the, the coup de grace where you can get up and uh, deliver it, uh, just nail a closing argument, nail a cross. Uh, that there's nothing like that to mm. me. Now, throughout your career, have you ever considered anything else, but as, other than being outside counsel? Did you, did you ever consider, you know, going in house or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't think it's for me. Oh. Um, I mean, and why do you say that? Well, look, there are, there are wonderful in house lawyers these days. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, a much more sophisticated bunch now than 20 years ago. Sure. Uh, but for me, and again, what I what I really love about it uh, is. I mean, it's such a privilege to be on your feet in the courtroom, hmm. uh, uh, doing the arguments, doing the crosses, doing the you know the closings and all that kind of thing at trial. Uh, but even in you know a Markman hearing or a summary judgment motion, Jamal hearing, uh, it's such a privilege to do that, and it's so fun for me to do that. Hmm. Um, that uh, being in house and uh, you still have the strategy part for sure, and that would be fun and gratifying. Uh, but to be deprived of that. Uh, you know that sort of animated part of it, the, the actually being on your feet in court. I think that would be frustrating to have to watch someone else do it when <laughs> when I wanted to be the one up there doing it mm. myself. So you find it, even though you've been doing it for a long time, it doesn't get old. You know, in some ways, to the contrary. Uh, Interesting. Now that I've done it for so long, um, uh, I just really enjoy it. Now mm. I don't I don't worry so much about it. I, you know, the, the stress of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, wears off with time and practice, and now it's just a question of uh, you know doing your your damnedest to to win your cases for your clients mm-hmm. and and just enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the phase where I feel like I'm in right now, and it's uh, boy, is it a, a luxury and a privilege. Mm. So, is there any particular experience or type of case that you would still like to try in your career, or do you feel like you've kind of done, you know, you had a pretty good variety, and it's just more of of what you've been doing in the past? Well, to tell you the truth, I would still love to, and I've done some over time, but I would, I would love to supplement my IP career with some uh, really high stakes pro bono kind of cases. Hmm. Uh, I did as a, as a young associate. Uh, I was involved in a death penalty pro bono case, uh, which was incredibly gratifying and uh, just a wonderful experience. And I continue to do some pro bono work over time, but. Uh, you know, I would like to retire feeling like I've made a real difference mm-hmm. on some you know public interest cause that uh, really matters to me. So I still look for those kinds of uh, of opportunities. Well, Jim, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you ever do try one of those historic pro bono cases, you have to come back and tell me about it. Oh, I look forward to it. This is Richard Chu and Jim Petchelder. Thanks. <laughs>